there was a um, an illustration of Jesus feeding uh, the 5,000. That was one of the miracles that Jesus had performed. And I took that clip out of um, the Jesus film, which was created in the the mid uh, to late 70s. And the, the purpose of the project of the Jesus film was to show the world, all nations, who Jesus was um, through the through the creating and distribution of this film. Um, it's had a profound effect on my life, um, which is why I want to share that with you. Uh, they've been very successful, the creators of, of the Jesus film, in uh, in the mission that they've that they've set out to do, and it's still going around the world today. It's 35 years old. It still is that 1970s wonderful cinematography. It's been translated into 1,300 uh, languages. It's been viewed. It says on their website, JesusFilm.org. I had to read it a few times myself. Incredible. Six billion people have viewed this film. As a result. 200 million uh, people have made a decision uh, for Christ as a result of having viewed this film. So it's a really, it's an incredible, um, it's an incredible evangelistic tool uh, that has been created and used greatly by God to show the world who Jesus is. And of those uh, incredible statistics, I would say that I fall into that 200 million. Um, I had seen, um, before I made a decision for Christ, I was introduced to uh, the full spectrum of Jesus and his ministry through actually watching this film. I had a coworker of mine, um, gosh, it was almost 13 years ago now. Uh, it was during the fall uh, when I made a decision to come to belief in Jesus. Um, I was down at a golf resort down in San Antonio, Texas, and I had a couple of Christians that that um, that were coworkers of workers of mine, and they took some steps. Uh, they put themselves out there to to share, show me, and tell me who Jesus was. Um, one of them was uh, a coworker of mine. Her name's Maria, and my wife tried to track these two people down, but, but she couldn't. She couldn't. I've tried to track them down too, because it. I'd like to tell them what's going on with me at this point. But Maria was a sweet lady. She was like my mom's age. She was like a mom. And I was down in an area that I knew nobody. Um, Texas is like a foreign land. If you're from north of the Mason-Dixon line, I grew up in the Chicago area. Went to school in Wisconsin. Spent some time out here. And uh, I got moved down there. And so she was, she was really sweet. She'd come in, check on me. And one day she said, Ryan, I've got something for you. And she handed me this VHS tape. And yeah, I actually had, I actually had a player that I could, I could put this in. Maria didn't know, uh, I don't know if she knew if I'd watch it or not. I certainly didn't plan on watching it. I just couldn't say no to it because she was so sweet. She was like a mom. So I was like, thank you so much. Brought it home. I couldn't toss it either because it said Jesus on it. And I wasn't a Christian, but... This is like something to that. I'm like, I can't, I can't just get rid of this. So I put it on my, my shelf uh, with, with the rest of my movies. And he um, said, I was down in a place where I didn't have a lot of friends. Uh, my family wasn't down there. I think God providentially kind of put me on an island away from my social network for a little while. All I did, on, I worked at a golf resort, so I, played, I think in one year I played 200 rounds of golf. It was it, 
yeah, and I haven't played a lot since, so I'm not very good anymore. But, um, but uh, I also, on Friday and Saturday night, my, my social life consisted of watching movies in my apartment by myself. After about six months of that, I had run through my entire collection at least twice. Um, the whole blockbust, I'm, I'm bringing us back in time here. Probably watched every single new release in Blockbuster at least once. Uh, Blockbuster doesn't exist anymore, so if we had Netflix, I might not have watched this. But um, and one Friday night, I was like, "Man, I'm like tired of watching all these things." So I, I actually put this in and I watched it. It's 128 minutes long, and it walks you through the entire Gospel of Luke, which is the first time I had actually seen, like I said, the, the entire ministry and life depicted of Jesus uh, at one time. I didn't think much of it uh, at the time. I didn't come and get on my knees and pray to accept Christ at that at that time. Um, but fast forward a couple, probably a couple weeks, another one of my coworkers is named Dave. Um, had no social life, so I kind of like to get around and make my rounds on Monday and check in with my coworkers and see how their weekends were. And so I stop in uh, Dave's office. He's about my age. Uh, him and his wife had moved out there. Maybe a, maybe a month or two before, and they were out church shopping. So I stopped in. I said, what would you do this weekend, Dave? And he said, me and my wife finally found a, found a church uh, that we want to go to. And my response, I don't know where this came from, like, hey, I should probably go to church one of these days. He didn't skip a beat. He says, why don't you come with me and my wife on Sunday? I'll come pick you up. Then I'll buy you breakfast. And I was like, uh, I, I, I couldn't come up with an excuse to say no, so... I just took the easy path, and I said, all right, I'll, I'll go with you. So he comes, picks me up. We go to church, and um, it was a big church, mega church. Um, had never seen anything like this before. I grew up in a tradition where you kind of sit in a wooden pew, and it's very uh, more dry, I guess, traditional. And so people waving their arms around and stuff kind of totally freaked me out, but I was like, this is weird. Um, but I do remember the preacher was very, uh, he was a very, very good speaker. Uh, Max Lucado's church uh, down in San Antonio, Oak Hills. Um, if you're not familiar with him, he's a very famous Christian author and, and a very good uh, speaker. Uh, I just remembered that he was interesting. He was teaching the Bible. The only specific thing I remember him saying was, um, Sorry, um, it's a life-changing moment. Jesus came to die so that you would have nothing between you and God um, so you can have a relationship with God and have eternal life. And I remember in that moment thinking, yeah, that's, I think that's what this whole God thing's about, right? Um, so I walked out of there and couldn't <clears throat> thought about it all day, couldn't sleep, and that was the first time in my life I actually said a real prayer, um, one that wasn't rehearsed or memorized. It was I just talked to God and said, "I think I want to I want to believe in you, I want to believe in 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 you," and I put my belief in Jesus, and um, that's pretty awesome. So. Um, 
the reason that I had that life change, that moment, we can talk a little bit more about this later, but is because somebody took two coworkers, put themselves out there um, to show me who Jesus was by just giving me this, right? I got to see who he was because somebody put that in my hands and then I was told about who Jesus is because somebody put themselves out there to bring me to church with them. And I got all tongue-tied and couldn't say no. And here I am today um, able to be a part of telling people who Jesus is. And um, like I said, this is, a, this is a docudrama of the Gospel of Luke, start to finish. That, so I'm actually going to be talking um, to you about Jesus' miracle from the perspective of the Gospel of John. So we're going to be looking at John chapter 6 today, um, but there's significance. There are two miracles that are seen in all four Gospels. One is the death and resurrection of Jesus, which did the redemptive work so that we have a chance for eternal life. Two is the feeding of the 5,000. And as I, as I was uh, going through this and studying this, um, I came to understand why. Jesus, in, in this miracle, and, and he actually walks on water too, so we're going to talk about two miracles today that he did, goes through extremely... Um, uh, great effort and shows you who he is in many different from many different angles and i'm I feel like i 'm only scratching the surface today of, of of what he was really doing there but i 'm going to try to try to unfold some of this uh, and maybe bring some some new perspective to you. The Gospel of John one of the reasons I, I chose the gospel of john to to um, to uh, illustrate this is because john um, the way he structured his gospel was he, um, he would show you who Jesus is by, by illustrating one of his miracles and then tell you who Jesus was um, by, by recapping Jesus' message. So Jesus was doing a miracle so that he could bring you a message. He was, he was drawing a crowd, and, and he had something to refer back to uh, as far as showing you who he was uh, through these miracles. And the whole point of it, John's heart... Um, the Apostle John, who wrote the Gospel of John, is and he, I mean, he's an evangelist. He, he wants people to come to belief in Jesus. And so that's why he, he structured his Gospel this way. He wants to show you who Jesus is so that he could tell you who Jesus is so you can believe in Jesus. And so I experienced that myself. Somebody showed me with that VHS Jesus film, and somebody told me, and I put my belief in Jesus. So I want to just start and, and walk through uh, the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 with you, uh, starting John chapter 6, uh, starting with verse 1. After this, Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. A huge crowd kept following him wherever he went because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. Then Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with his disciples around him. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. Um, can we take a moment just to just to just to pray um, as we as we're uh, getting into this and um, and connect with with what God's got for us in this word. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for today, uh, for your word, and uh, just for this, this group of people. I know that you've got um, your hands in, in our lives, and uh, we just want to um, just lift this time up to you so that we can connect with you and get to know uh, you and get to know you better. And we just pray this in Jesus' name. So this is the, um, the verses I just, just read, basically two things. He's just setting, setting the scene. starts with, after this, Jesus crossed over the far side of the Sea of Galilee. So prior to uh, this setting, Jesus had done some other miracles. He was healing the sick, and so he's got thousands of people. Um, he's gathered a following by doing, by doing these uh, previous miracles. And um, these people that are following him around are Jewish, um, it's near the Sea of Galilee, which is in Israel. Um, and so it's a Jewish region. And the time of the year is uh, the Jewish Passover celebration. And this is the celebration where the Jews are, are celebrating uh, the fact that God had uh, brought them out of exile, out of slavery from, from, the, um, from the Egyptian pharaoh. And this is found in the, in the book of Exodus. We're not going there. We're just going to stay in, in John chapter, chapter 6 today. I'll reference that, though, in a little bit. So uh, reading along, uh, chapter, uh, chapter 6, verse, starting with verse 5 now. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all of these people? He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. So he's setting them up. He's going to do a miracle. Jesus knows it. Nobody else does. So Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? So a couple things are, are happening here. Number one, these disciples, the apostles, had, had been with Jesus uh, when he was performing these previous miracles. So, they, so they, had a, they knew that he was God. They had seen him do some things that were um, being God. And um, th- that's the reason there are thousands of people following them. But Philip's response is, well, we'd have to work for months to try to feed all these people. And so he was, he was hopeless in this situation. And then Andrew follows up with, well, what good is that? Well, we got this little bit of food, but, but what good is that going to do with all these people? So it's like they, they forgot who they were with or something already. And then there's a hero in this little exchange, and it's the, it's the little boy who's with these people who was probably hungry himself. He had a little bit of food. He had enough to have lunch for himself, and uh, he, he gave it up. He trusted Jesus with it. And then what did Jesus do? Jesus said, tell everyone to sit down. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered about 5,000. So the men alone numbered about 5,000, which historians say with women and children, they're 15 to 20,000 people. Just put that in perspective. The Pepsi Center seats 18,007 people. So on a sold-out night at the Pepsi Center, that's how many people are sitting there and following him up this hill. And so... Then Jesus took the loaves and gave thanks to God and distributed them to all the people. And afterward, he did the same with the fish. And they all ate as much as they wanted. So Jesus took 
those five loaves that the little boy trusted Jesus with, and he increased it, and he showed them that he was God. He fed 15 to 20,000 people with that. And so the next, we're moving into the, the next miracle. Uh, that evening, Jesus' disciples went down to the shore to wait for him. But as darkness fell and Jesus hadn't come back, they got into the boat and headed across the lake towards Capernaum. Soon a gale swept down upon them, and the sea grew very rough. So here's, here's the miracle. Sorry, in verse 19. They had rowed three or four miles when suddenly they saw Jesus walking on the water toward the boat. And they were terrified. But he called out to them, don't be afraid, I am here. And so Jesus again shows them who he is. Um, he shows the disciples. There's a couple things um, going on here. But one, immediately, <laughs> he might have just wanted to, to give these disciples a reminder of the fact that he was God and do another miracle just for that audience in that moment because Philip had doubted and Andrew had some hopelessness about uh, the whole situation that they were in before. So I think Jesus was just kind of being like, uh, okay, I'm going to show you again right before he gets into an exchange with the crowd that had been following him. The reason he was showing who he was with these miracles is because he wanted to tell this group of people something. So He's kind of transitioning into that and keeping this fresh in people's um, minds. So the next day, the crowd had stayed on the far shore, saw the disciples had taken the only boat, and they realized Jesus had not gone with them. Several boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the Lord had blessed the bread and the people had eaten. So when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went across to Capernaum to look for him. They found him on the other side of the lake and asked, Rabbi, when did you get here? So Jesus all of a sudden shows up on the other side of this huge lake. It's like seven miles across, and it was stormy the night before. So they're trying to, I think they're trying to kind of connect the dots, and maybe they put it together, maybe some don't, maybe some do, but there's Jesus in front of them miraculously, on the other side of the lake. And so now Jesus did all this so that he could tell these people uh, who he is. And so that's the next point on your notes, and we're going to start talking about how Jesus really builds up to tell these people who he is. So Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, you want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of approval. So they replied, we want to perform God's works too. What should we do? And Jesus told them, this is the only work that God wants from you. Believe in the one that he has sent. And so we remember that he's he's speaking to he's speaking to a, a Jewish audience, and um, the Jews associated doing doing stuff uh, to be right with God. Um, they would follow the law, and the law was was a perishable thing because they would they'd follow the law, they'd break it, then they'd have to do a sacrifice 
to atone for that breaking of the law in their sin, and then they would have to continue to try to fulfill the law. And this is kind of a cycle that was perishable. He said, don't be looking at the perishable things. This is what you do um, to to do godly works, which is believe in me. That's what it, believe in him. So um, believe in the one that he has sent. And so that's a non-perishable act. So he's really trying to start and tell them who he is. Okay, so moving on, uh, starting in verse 30, they answered, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? Really? Really? He just, he just fed all of them. He just walked on water, and now they're wanting a miraculous sign. After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scriptures say, Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. What did Jesus just do? Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. He's not actually saying that it's him, but he's kind of pointing there. And they say, sir, they said, give us that bread every day. So, um, kind of going back, remember it's Jewish audience, it's the Passover. They're celebrating when God brought them out of Egypt um, from Egyptian slavery. And during this journey, he takes them through the wilderness, as they refer to here. The scriptures say um, Moses gave them bread from heaven on their, on their journey through, through the wilderness. Um, and I wonder if Jesus intentionally gave them bread from heaven the previous day so that they might make that connection. He also um, got just kind of a side. God also split the, he parted the red sea. He had authority over the sea and the wind um, during the, during their exile and exodus as well. Um, and, and Jesus displayed that too. Um, so as these people are celebrating Passover, part of their whole thing is, is re reminding themselves by going through these stories of how God redeemed them during this time uh, in Exodus. And so Jesus knows that this is a Jewish audience that had seen this, and this was fresh in their minds, these stories of, of exile. So, so he does these miracles in conjunction with that. So then uh, our memory verse of the week, uh, John 6:35. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. And whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty again. And there's three things, three things out of this verse um, that if you're taking notes, if you're a note taker, write down I am, write down never, and then write down um, believe and come. Because those are the three things that are that significant out of, out of this um, one is, again, Jewish audience, um, they study the Old Testament scriptures. God refers to himself as I am in uh, the Old Testament scriptures. And so he's saying now, he's really telling them, I am the bread of life. I'm God. So that's the significance of that. Whoever comes to me will never 
be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty again. One time, just come, come to him and believe in him. Never going never gonna to need this over and over again. It's not perishable. Because they said, give us this bread every day. And his reply is, you just come to me and you believe in me and you'll never hunger or thirst again. And another thing, the third thing is the believe and come. Jesus usually refers to himself when it, when it comes to faith in him in a believe and an action. And so um, they're not usually separated. There has to be a, an action with your belief. And um, that's why Jesus says here, whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And I kind of wanted to, um, to pick up where I left off on my story after that night that I had prayed as a result of Maria showing me who Jesus was and Dave telling me by bringing me to church, um, I put my belief in Jesus, but I didn't have that action piece of it yet at that point. I was missing that. And I was missing it for a while. Um, our response to this message is vital uh, for vitality in our faith. And vitality means the power to live and to grow. And so I think that when you come to belief in Jesus, you have life. You've got that power to live and to grow. But that action piece is what you need in order to grow in your faith. So you've got your life after you have belief, but you don't have your growing unless you do something. And um, I'll, just, I'll just tell you about kind of what I went through in the first uh, probably year or two of, of, of my spiritual journey after I had made that decision to come to belief in, in Jesus. I didn't know what happened to me that night. I didn't know what the word saved meant. I didn't have all that Christianese because I really I came into that whole thing cold. But something happened. I came to life. I, I was experiencing life. Uh, for the first time. I didn't know what to do with that. Um, so growing up in my, in my background, well, you just go to, go to church. So I, I did. I just, I kind of would go to church and, and that's, I think the, the belief part of it. I just go when I could go and, you know, I started to go more and more often. And then I started to learn about needing to do more with, with your faith. There's something else to this than just attending church on Sunday. And um, during that time, I learned that you, you, you need to pick up your Bible and read it and study it. Um, I, I know it seems pretty, pretty basic, but I just didn't, I, I didn't get that right away. And I didn't know how to study it, <clears throat> but they had these awesome things called life groups, community groups. And so I signed up for one of those and started to study the Bible and, and learned how to do it by getting around some other people that kind of had some experience with it. And uh, I started to see some growth in, in my spiritual life and my faith. My faith in Jesus grew. I got to know him better. Um, so I started to have that. I've started to experience a little bit that other half of that vitality, that growth. Um, after doing that for a while, I realized that there was even more. There was even more. Jesus actually wants us to go and, and, and do stuff to show people who he is. And so, um, so I 
started trying to figure out what I could actually do. Like, what could my, what could I actually do and bring to the table? Well, I think the first thing I did was sign up to change light bulbs at the old, old church building that, that we were at. And so I did that uh, for all. That was my first step of service. Started plugging in and volunteering around here. I started seeing more growth. I got to know more people. I got to actually do something to um, to live out my faith. Um, one of the greatest experiences of growth that I ever had was um, studying this Bible, understanding you know some of the things that Jesus is telling us to do. And then I signed up for a missions trip down to Mexico. And all of a sudden, I started these things that I was studying playing out in front of me, and I'm like, "Oh my gosh! Like, this is this is crazy, right?" I mean, and it it, it just changed my whole. It, it just unfolded and opened up my eyes to what it is to live out in your faith. Get back home and um, realize that uh, that I wanted more of that, and I also came to start connecting some dots. Well, God put me here and has me speak this language and i know this culture and i know this area needs to know jesus and so um it took me a while still learning this but this is our mission field and so i need to be doing this every day so pursuing him through gathering and through studying him and through doing this and being on mission every day it's not just one week a year when you go on a mission although those are awesome do that it's great but um, but every day is a day that we're supposed to be on mission doing something um, for uh, for our faith so we can grow and, and have vitality in our faith. And so, and, and, you know, all of this happened for me. I've got a passion for, and hopefully this gives you a little insight on, um, why maybe I have a passion for this because this is, this is where my life was changed in, in the local church. Um, first experience, I, I got to, my eyes got open to who Jesus was in a church uh, down in San Antonio. And I really got to start growing in my faith through community groups and serving and all this other stuff. I mean, right here in this, in this church. And so it's a real blessing to be able to actually do this uh, full time. And I do have a, a real passion for that. And, and I'd, why we do what we do here because it actually it works 